On this episode of Training Camp, we catch up with Mander, Snipes, and Mo. We talk about the adjustments we've been making in order to maneuver the bear market, as well as share stories of our largest stock market losses ever. This episode is brought to you by Kane Capital, a trading community over 25,000 strong featuring live trading alerts and educational content. Link in the notes to join for free today. It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheel of dealing, limousine right, jet flying. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to TCP Trading Camp Pod for episode 38. We've got a few people on the podcast this episode, all from Kane Cap. It's going to be great to have a conversation with the team. Really, we just want to catch you guys up with our trading, what we've been seeing, how we've been maneuvering the bear market. We're going to talk with Snipes, Mo, Mander. But before we get to that, Noah, what's going on? Hondo, what is up? Episode 38. Super excited. I think that we have a great panel on today to talk about um, what we've been seeing in the markets, right? This this entire year has been um, uniquely volatile. And I think uh, being able to manage that volatility is something that um, these people all specialize in. And so I'm excited to get into it. All right, fellas, what's going on? How's everybody doing? Can't complain. Good, good. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to be back. Third time on the TCP here. Yeah, same here. It looks like Mo is. Uh, yeah, it looks like Mo is lacking here. Yeah. Mo's only been on um, one episode. <laughs> no, you were on. You had your own, and then we had the group one, and then this one. So this is number three. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, plenty of love for Mo Mama. <laughs> All right. So the first thing I want to talk about is Snipes's twenty-five day challenge, and then we're going to talk about a tweet that he put out earlier today that has a lot of people's interest. But first, Snipes, the 25-day green streak challenge, you're absolutely killing it. How many days now is it that you've been green in a row on that challenge? Today's day 18 of the challenge. The challenge has been going pretty well. Um, Got seven more trading days to go green on to complete the 25 green day challenge. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, overall, I've learned a lot about myself as a trader and a lot about trading in general since I started this challenge. I'm starting to realize even more than I did previously about how trading ultimately comes down towards emotions. And the reason why a lot of the market moves how it can move is actually strictly based off emotions. Most judgments or decisions are made based off of emotions. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the chart is just a physical representation of, um, investor psychology, right? It just shows you where people got um, greedy, where people got um, overzealous about something that they thought would you know, go up forever. And then it shows you the ultimate capitulation that happens when those people realize, oh shit, I'm down on my investment. You know, Maybe it's time to, to sell for a loss here. And that's where you get the nasty spills. That's exactly what a chart is, um, is just that physical representation. And so, you know, emotions are always going to be sort of present in our, in our trading, right? And I think that's something that we really hammered um, a few episodes ago with Jared Tendler. And, you know, one of the primary things that he 
talked about that really drilled home with me was expectations, right? A lot of the emotions that we get, whether it's in trading or it's in life, right? Like a lot of the frustrations, um, they come from the expectations that we have of ourselves and of others. And in this case of the market. And so I think it's important to sort of manage those expectations, be realistic about what it is that you can and can't do in the market. Um, what your strategy is and is not capable of, um, manage those expectations. And that will ultimately be able to help you. I feel like, um, managing in turn the emotions. So Snipes watching you trade day in, day out, day in and day out throughout this challenge, I've noticed something. So if you start the day red or, you know, you're red for any portion of the day, it's almost like you're going to war. Like it's really like, no joke. Like you're, you're locked in, dialed in and you're doing whatever um, you possibly can to get back green on the day. But I think that there's a fine line to be walked there because I know that for a lot of traders, including myself, emotions really start to come into play when I'm red on the day. So I want to ask you how you're able to differentiate from, okay, I'm red, it's time to walk away versus I'm red, but it's go time. And I still know that I can get back green on the day. Well, Fortunately, I have not had any days where I started off that red in a hole where I would want to call it a day. I could say that for almost half the days, um, I was red at one point. And I'm not going to even lie. It feels like I'm trading with a gun up to my head. Um, it gets pretty stressful, especially when I'm looking to finish green um, to continue the challenge. Overall, though, I've noticed that when I don't give up there and when I mentally stay in the game, um, I've been able to bounce back from there. And the whole key to this is just resetting your mental emotions and realizing that all the previous trades have no effect on your future trades. That's something I talked about earlier tonight, actually, on Spaces. And today is Wednesday, June 29th. Not carrying over emotions from the prior trading day, right? Whether good, bad. You got to be able to reset mentally. And you love to talk about not only resetting from day to day, but trade to trade, whatever happened in that last trade, whether it was you know a triple bag or whether it was a 15% gain, whether you took a loss, none of that matters anymore. It's on to the next trade because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create systems that over the long term are going to be profitable. So getting way too excited about one big trade isn't going to help you to be a profitable trader in the long run. Just like getting upset over one small loss isn't going to help you. Uh, in the long run. But the next thing I want to talk about, guys, Mander and Mo, I want to bring you guys in here and we'll start with Mo. The swing trading has been really, really good, um, which is really impressive. A lot of people have that mentality of, I don't want to play leaps. Um, I don't want to take options trades overnight. A lot of people aren't even swinging month out. So I want to ask you, Mo, what is it that you've been seeing? Because you've been really, really consistent um, and, you know, hitting these really nice swing trades. Yeah. So um, thanks for having me again. Uh, so yeah, swinging has been really um, hot for me lately. We've been on a run. I think we've only lost like one swing the past 10 trades, um, which is, you know, been awesome when you have a bear market, a lot of fear, and then also you start to see some choppiness there. So uh, I've recently implemented the uh, gap fill reversal strategy. And I think that, you know, it takes a lot of patience and hitting back on emotions. 
where when you enter a swing, people are expecting, you know, sort of similar to a day trade. They, you know, you're expecting some profit almost immediately. And that's not the case with swings. You have to be patient. They will go against you, but you have your TA in place, right? You know when to cut. Um, so the great thing is about gap, gap reversal plays is your stop loss is really tight because you're playing a gap fill level. So if you end up entering, let's say you, you know, the price action came, came up, filled the gap, uh, rejected that gap and closed, right? I'll go ahead, you know, that'll trigger my entry, um, let's say to the downside for a put entry. Uh, my stop loss would be if the next day we end up moving up and closing above the gap fill, I cut it. So it gives you a good, you know, well, it's a good technique to where you're able to minimize your loss and maximize your gain. And when you're heading in a trend like this, I think the choppiness in this trend is at your favor because this choppiness, what ends up happening, if you continue, if you do continue in a bear market, this choppiness allows you to come up, fill gaps and take those positions. As we saw recently, there was multiple um, tickers that came up, filled the gap and then dropped. Um, Apple was one of them. We played um, BlackBerry. Um, and then you also have your patterns as well. So that's another thing I've been looking at uh, during this bear market, especially when the pattern is showing a movement to the downside. You're in a bear market. That's what you want to see. So when you see a pattern play out that's showing you further downside, you want to go ahead and capitalize on that pattern. One of the things that I think about when I think about swing trading, and like Alejandro said, a lot of times when you get this um, sort of volatility, people really want to stray away from swinging. And I think, like you said, we're in a bear market. And so the same thing with calls in a, in a bull market, right? You take your trade, you have your price target that gets hit on the upside. You sell for a profit. Let's say it's a 20% gain on your option swing, right? And then you leave, you know, a third or a half of the position on and you say, all right, let's just see what can happen here, right? Cause we've all, we all saw in 2021, a lot of these names ran much further than anybody could imagine. I mean, UPST was at 400. Afrom was, I believe, what, 150, 200, something like that. I mean, when the market is sort of giving you that, that extra push, when you have the wind in your sails, things can go much further than you even expected. And so it's kind of the same thing in this market. You'll take your swing, you'll get your, um, your price target on the downside and you'll sell for a profit. And then you leave a portion of that position on. And like you said, there's so much fear in the market today, specifically on negative news or whatever it is. It may blow through your target. You're targeting 400 spy. We saw 365. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of, I feel like one advantage to swing trading as well is that you can oftentimes, um, when you're right, you'll get that sort of, you know, when you're trading with the wind in your sails, when you're swimming with the tide, you can get a trade that goes, you know, even further than you, than you thought it could. Yeah, for sure. That goes, you know, uh, back to maximizing your gains. You know, you enter a trade, it's coming down. Of course you want to set your targets, right? Where, where are those key levels on the downside? Where are you looking to bounce? Because again, especially if you're trading options, you do have the Greeks against you, right? So when, when you come across a key level, you're looking, you know, maybe for a potential bounce, that potential bounce, you might get some consolidation after that. Therefore, somewhat going against you, despite it continuing, you know, to the downside. So you always want to set those targets, trim along the way and try to maximize your gain as much as possible. Uh, but yeah, it's been a killer strategy um, in this bear market. I love the risk reward there too. Cause you mentioned, okay, if you're going to play a rejection off of the gap fill level, it's obvious when you need to exit the trade, right? There's no playing around. There's no, Oh, I'm going to wait for it to hit my 20% stop. 
let's say your level is, you know, a hundred dollars, if it breaks a hundred and you know, you're, you're sitting at 110 cents, you could just simply cut the trade. Right. And if it comes back down, you could always look to reenter, which is something that's really important and something that I'm working on myself. A lot of times our ideas as traders, they can be right, but they may be mistimed. So for me, if I take a trade, I get stopped out. I'll watch the setup for the remainder of the day or the remainder of the week, because at this point in my trading career, I have conviction in you know the charts that I put out, right? I have conviction in my levels. And if I'm seeing that I'm recognizing um, and understanding the market pretty well, if I lose on any given trade, okay, the idea could have been bad. That's always a possibility. But again, there's the possibility that it was just mistimed. So keeping an eye on a trade after it stops you out, when it gets back to that level or you get that break that you were looking for, it may at times be a good idea to try it again, right? So don't get discouraged is what I would say, because it's frustrating. One of the most frustrating things that can happen to any trader is, okay, let's say SPY, you have 380 as, uh, as a key level. You get stopped out. And then you look 30 minutes later and SPY is trading down at 375, right? And you were playing puts. So things like that to watch are really important. Now I want to bring in Mander. Um, and Mander, the first thing I want to talk about, because you've been taking some swing trades as well, and you've got kind of this like nuts of steel mentality going right now. And it's really impressive what you're doing. But I want to ask you. What are some of the strategies or mindset um, that you're implementing in order to withstand the market volatility that we're seeing? So, as I mentioned, having conviction in your trades, having conviction in market direction, you've been adding some swings that you know initially may be down, but you're able to hold through the volatility, and your swings are paying really, really big. So. Again, what's your mindset when you enter a trade like that? Yeah, absolutely. And again, same as Mo. Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, since the last time I've came on, really from a technical standpoint, I wouldn't say anything has changed in my trading in terms of... I still take every trade basically off of EMAs and Fibonacci levels. Um, the big thing I would say that's really changed since I've been on, and I'm sure we'll touch on this later, is one, getting into futures trading. And then again, me starting to swing again, which is crazy because uh, honestly, recently at the start of the year, I hadn't taken any swings really since 2020 and 2021, kind of as Diamond was hitting on. Like back then, I mean, it was absolutely routine. Every Monday, you could come into any given week, buy NVIDIA calls, buy Apple calls, buy Microsoft calls, hold them into Friday and make money. I mean, the things were so easy. Like you said, with the wind in your sail, the markets were just ripping. And so you had so much confidence to kind of take those swings. We kind of got to this point in the year, maybe a month ago into May, where I kind of just reflected upon my trading on the year. And I would definitely still say I kind of classify myself as like an index indice trader where obviously all my home runs and the ones that blow up on Twitter, this and the other, they're all SPX trades. And I mean, that's a no brainer because you're going to get volatility and returns in SPX that you're not going to get elsewhere. But I kind of looked at the chart and I saw, you know, at the point where I was looking at this, I was like, wow, SPX is down about a thousand points. And I have not capitalized to the point where I feel like I should have on a thousand point move to the downside. I mean, we're down from 4,800 to 3,800 at the time. And I'm looking at this like, you know, how have I not made a million dollars this year yet? You know, like 
this is a massive kind of like once in a decade type move. And I'm like, I I'm chasing these zero DTEs, these huge home run trades where I feel like I'm not capitalizing on the full move. And so that's kind of, I just had to reflect on that and kind of see what can I do differently here to try and capitalize on these bigger moves. And so that's kind of what got me into futures trading, obviously with no Greeks, no theta decay. And we'll talk about all this later. I'm sure. Um, kind of just being able to you know pick a direction because I was looking at my Twitter as well. And even going back to like January, February, like I was posting charts on SPX, like, you know, this is my next outlook posting levels. You know, I'm expecting us to hit here at the time. Everyone's calling me crazy. Here we are. SPX hit 3,600, right? And I was posting this back in February, January. So at the same time, like I'm posting this and I'm recapping back on Twitter from three months before and I'm like, all right, here we are. We hit my price levels that I was saying. And I haven't capitalized on these full moves. So it, I kind of had to like swing around and I'm still trading ODTEs. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think I ever won't be. But at the same time, I needed to kind of like recategorize it and put something else in here to where I could kind of capitalize on those moves. So that's kind of where this all came from. I've been taking a lot more trades off of the daily chart where I'm going back even say like two weeks, right? And like if we have a strong down, a strong downtrend, we're setting lower lows or something. I'll go ahead and plot those macro level moves. And then I'll just stay patient, which is really hard for me being like a, an ODT industry trader. I'll stay patient and wait for the retracement either back to the 50, back to the 618. And once I see that reject on a daily candle, I'm coming in the next day looking to take some type of swing on that, right? And so like I know me and Mo are in this Amazon trade currently right now. Same exact thing, right? We saw the first downtrend down to 135. We got the bounce up to the 618, rejected. We break through the neckline and hit the 1618. All the things we talked about the last time I was on the podcast here. So now your next price level is hit right around 101, 102. You're expecting to see a bounce off that. What do you know? We get like a 30 point bounce. We triple bottom off that and then we retrace back to the 618. So that is where, you know, I'm trying to start taking these longer level trades where initially, even if they're down, right, I'm playing these off of intrinsic value of premium. So if I'm getting this trade, if I have a price target at, you know, this Amazon one, for instance, I'm targeting, 84, right? On Amazon within like the next month. We'll see how this plays out as this kind of ages on the podcast. Um, I took the 95 puts, right? And so at intrinsic value, if they hit my price target of 84, they're 11 points in the money. They're going to be at 11 plus if that hits before my, uh, my expiration, right? And so I'm getting these at 73 cents a contract, so 73 bucks. Even if this goes down 60, 70%, right? I have a month left on this. Even if I get trapped in a little bit of a bull squeeze to the upside, you know, I'm expecting that if my price target hits, these are going to be at 11 plus at expiration. So that's kind of why, you know, I was getting grilled on Twitter, you know, my recent AMD play um, in the discord, even, you know, I'm getting tagged all the time. Like, are you still in these? They're down big. Like, that's kind of how I'm playing these is I'm basing these off of intrinsic value. It's way different than playing ODTEs where you're throwing something with two hours left. You know, at that point, you're going all off of TA. This I'm kind of basing off of intrinsic value. If my price target hits within the next month, I know these are going to at least they should see 11 if my price target hits. At the minimum, if we get some type of strong trend, even if it doesn't go to 84, these are going to double, triple where I can at least get half out at 100% and I have risk-free swing. So that's kind of how I've been trying to play this. Yeah. I think having that macro level mindset where it's like, okay, regardless of what my contracts are at right now, if it does hit my price target, it's going to be worth X. That's where you can get that conviction of, okay, I'm going to stay in it because you know what you know what you have and you know what they're going to be worth, obviously, if the if the play works out. And so, you know, it, it really is tough. And I think particularly for traders who kind of just recently started, we 
get a lot of very quick moves. Like you, like you said, you buy calls, you're up the next day, right? 50, 60% on them um, all through last year, right? And then you get into early this year and you've got, you buy puts, wake up the next day, up 50, 60%, easy. Now things aren't necessarily, things have sort of slowed down. We're in a little bit of consolidation um, in the market. And this is really the time where you want to capitalize on those trades because by the time the next move starts, it's going to be too late. And so I like that idea of, you know, when things slow down a little bit, taking advantage of um, the, the TA that you've got and then sort of taking plays with the longer outlook that you don't have to stare at the computer um, all day and and get chopped up in this whipsaw action. You hit the nail on the head there too. The one thing I also wanted to add to that was being able to give myself time before expiration on that. It's like, you know, you're down 20, 30% on a play. You still have four weeks to let it happen. It's not like you're playing one DTEs, ODTEs where, you know, you go down 30, 40% on an ODTE. Realistically, it's because, you know, you were, it was a poor entry or you were just flat out wrong. And that's where your stop loss is going to come in and cut these, you know, these kind of like, this is a lot of our first real bear market to be trading in. And as we've seen, the rallies are super aggressive to the upside and the the sell-offs are even more aggressive. And so it's kind of gotten to that point where if you're not in the sell-off before it happens, you're kind of done, right? Especially with, you know, if VIX rips up like 20% in a day, like we've seen, and you're buying into this high implied volatility on your premiums, odds are like you might get a winner, but for the most part, like you're you're not going to capitalize on that move. Whereas the odds are not in your favor. They're not in your favor because they're getting priced in on these volatilities. What I've seen kind of with these type of like swing plays that I've been doing is I'll look at it more of like, you know, common shares, right? Like I'll accumulate. It's not like I'm looking for this to hit a hundred percent in a day. I'm accumulating these, knowing my price target, knowing the intrinsic value that the premium would be worth at my price target. And so if I'm wrong for even a couple of days, right? I'll just grab some more knowing I have a month to still be right. I have confidence in my technical analysis. I'm confident that you know what I think is going to happen should happen, whether it happens today, tomorrow, or two weeks from now, I'm confident in this play. And so it kind of takes out that fear of having to be right right now. Not to mention the massive gap downs we've been seeing. So most of the range is taken away overnight. So for put buyers, what's happening is the S&P QQQ are gapping down 2%. As you mentioned, um, volatility is through the roof. So you're having to pay so much for these options premiums if you are looking to play for a move further to the downside. While as if you're in swings, you were able to capture that move that happened overnight. And what typically happens when you do gap down is you'll trade in a range, right? So they'll gap it down and then you'll trade really, really tight for the rest of the session. So put buyers are just getting kind of screwed, even though the market is going down, down, down with obviously these short lived bear market rallies. It's not as simple as the market opens. You buy puts, right? You still got to be able to define your ranges. You have to be able to recognize, okay, the way these options premiums, especially if you're playing zero DTE, one DTE, the way these premiums are priced right now, given um, you know where the VIX is sitting, right? We're always watching volatility. It might not be worth it from a risk reward perspective. You might be being asked to pay way, way too much just to trade zero DTE. But as uh, Manner mentioned here, you're able to take advantage of those larger moves, right? And I think that a lot of people are in that same position, myself included. It really is a head scratcher. Like, how long have we known now 
that the market was going to trade lower. Yet, why are we not all sitting on a beach in Bali loaded? It's like it was so obvious, but just because something is obvious does not mean that it's easy to trade it. And so that mentality of, okay, this is what the daily looks like. This is what the daily trend looks like, the monthly, the weekly. Having that bigger picture can definitely help you in taking those swing trades. So really good tips there, man. I appreciate that. Uh, two things I wanted to touch on. One was definitely the um, timing you give yourself with these expirations, right? When we're swinging, of course, it's not one week, two weeks. Uh, I give myself at least 30 days out. Sometimes I even go 45 days out. Why? Of course, the time, the Greeks. Uh, and then also, if it does not go your way, I have that gap fill level, right? If it closes above that gap fill level, my loss will be very minimal. Of course, depends on how much the the um, uh, the ticker had moved that day, but you're more than likely to come out 10, 12, 13, maybe 15% and you cut it there, right? It happened with uh, DraftKings. We were able to get out, I think, minus 13%. Uh, it came and closed above my gap fill after entry, after gap fill entry. So that's another great thing about, you know, swinging 30 days, 45 days out. Another thing I wanted to touch on is playing these gap fill levels. Yes, we are in a bear market, but take note that when we're dropping and we have gaps to fill on the downside, you want to be careful. Today, coach had tagged Mander and I about Amazon. Uh, he pointed out um, head and shoulders, we noted. Um, and he was thinking about grabbing puts there. But the thing is, is on the NBC spy was about 20 cents away from gap fill, right? That's not the best timing to um, uh, grab puts on Amazon per se, because you're at a gap fill on spy. What I'm expecting is a move back up. Um, one other thing as well is when these gaps, so let's, so Honda touched on this, you know, it goes your way, you know, um, it doesn't go your way the first time. And then you're like, shit later on, you know, um, throughout the day, whether it's a day trade or let's say swinging, you know, ends up going your way. So two days ago on spy, if you guys note the 388, uh, I believe it's the 389.80 gap fill level, we managed to pop and close above that gap fill, therefore not triggering a short entry for me on, on, uh, on any ticker across the board because I have an indice that closed above gap fill level. What happened the next day was we failed to hold that gap fill as support. It dropped and closed. Therefore, I targeted the gap fill to the downside because it looked weak. We failed to hold that gap fill level as support. Then now you can go ahead and grab you know some tickers, uh, um, go ahead and swing some tickers that is, in which we did on some of them and capitalized. All right. So earlier in the episode, I mentioned that I wanted to talk to Snipes about two things. The first thing was the streak that he's on. Incredible. The second thing was the tweet that he put out earlier today. Even more incredible. Snipes, tell us about this venture that you're about to go on trading, traveling the world. It sounds absolutely incredible. I mean, uh, really excited to hear uh, more about this, man. Well, um, one thing that I did like about the 25 Green Day Challenge is giving myself that challenge and putting it out there really decided, like, challenged me as a trader. And I like that challenge personally, and that helps me get towards that next level. And one of the awesome parts about trading is the flexibility. Um, I get to spend a lot of time with my friends and family. I love that part. And we can do this from literally anywhere in the world. And I want to prove to the world that I can do this from anywhere in the world regardless of what time zone we're in, 
regardless of where I am. And I want to travel the world and I want to go to a different country. Um, and I want to make $10,000 in that country with $10,000. And I'm not going to go home until I do complete that challenge in every country. That's a crazy, crazy feat. I mean, you got to think there's so many factors going in here. Obviously, you know, you talked about like time zone traveling this, but that's a hundred percent return (laughs) in every country. So I guess the idea is that you're going to pay for the trip, obviously with the 10 grand you'll make, but the idea of putting yourself in that situation where you challenge yourself, I think that's the most exciting part for me. Because this is coming from you and you came to us with this idea. And I think you mentioned it a few days ago. And I honestly just kind of brushed it off. I was like, I don't even know. I was like, what is this kid talking about? And next thing I know, I see this tweet and there's a list of like all these countries that you're going to travel and trade in. And dude, I mean, the thing is knowing you and seeing you trade, I know you're going to be able to do it. And that's like already the most impressive thing because I would never. I mean, I, you don't see me tweeting that I'm going to fucking travel the world and make 10 grand in each country. And I mean, this is just like, like people don't do this. Like, this is sick, man. I mean, I'm excited for you. It's going to be good. I don't think I'm going alone, to be honest. Well, yeah, I'm coming with you to at least a few places. The team is definitely. Yeah, no, I'm definitely I'm definitely making a couple of stops. Yeah, the team is definitely uh, is going to meet up with you. I'm in a few places. Did you think about what happens if you get stuck? Like if you if you can't make. 10 grand. Like what if you're like stuck at eight grand or something, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, I've really thought about this. I'm, I'm saying this off the record, real quick, <laughs> but like, I, I really am like kind of worried about that. Like what if I'm stuck <laughs> in some place, man, and I, and I can't get up there, man, but I'm going to figure a way to make it work, man. Um, now we're definitely keeping that in the episode. Um, <laughs> that's gotta stay. That's gotta stay. Listen, the, the places you had on your list, there could definitely be worse places to be stuck. That's true. That's true, dude. Like you're talking about going to like Bali and whatnot, like you're stuck in Bali. Like, you know, it's not, it's not too bad. Hold on. I'm pulling up the list here, guys, so we can read off the countries. And for those of you that haven't seen the tweet, Snipes' Twitter is uh, Stock Sniper. Sniper, S-N-I-P-A. Let me read off this list of countries here. So we got Bali. Oh, Vegas. So we got some spots in the U.S. here. Vegas, Chicago, Hawaii, Alaska, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Romania, Iceland, France, Italy, Spain, Australia. I saw somebody in the comments put Japan. I think Japan would be absolutely nuts. Could you imagine? Yeah, I definitely want to add Japan to that list. No Jersey, though. Crazy. (laughs) No New Jersey on there, which is weird, but... Very weird. You'll be surprised, Sniper. You'll probably actually make more money traveling than at home. Uh because it always happens to me every time I go somewhere, I trade. I'm making more money on vacation than at home. It happened in Turkey. Why do you think that is? Oh fuck! This might be the this might be the time for me to to tell my story. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yes, 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 yes. yes. Oh man, yeah, it's gotta yes. come out of the tank. If not now, never. Oh my gosh! If not now, never. All right, guys. So you guys remember back in March, Dwayne Trade took a trip to Puerto Rico. Um, it was an awesome trip. And, you know, I was feeling myself. I was uh, a few tequila sodas deep and I was basically just lounging out, having a really good time. Um, so my confidence levels were through the roof and I sized 
real, real heavy in a few different trades. Uh, when I'm saying heavy, I'm I'm saying, you know, probably three, four times normal size in like three or four different positions. And I think I was down like a grand with 30 minutes to go into the close. Um, 30 minutes later, I lost $8,000 um, in, in like the blink of an eye, which was just the craziest fucking thing. That was, that was my biggest daily loss um, ever. And I mean, depending on how big your account size is or, you know, how wealthy you are, $8,000 may not mean a lot to you, but I think regardless of uh, how much money I ever make, $8,000 is a shit ton of money. So the lesson to be learned here is at least for me, never trade on vacation ever again. (laughs) It was the stupidest thing. I've ever done. I gave back a month's worth of gains in the matter of 30 minutes. Noah, keep saying it. Don't underestimate how, don't underestimate your ability to fuck things up. Like, you got to be kidding me. Like, that was, yeah. So, I guess this is the, it's the first time the story's coming out. So, you guys can laugh at me, but hey, I think it was Puerto Rico. Hey, I think you've got to come with me to Puerto Rico and redeem yourself, man. Dude, I might have to. Do you have Puerto Rico on the uh, list, Snipes? I do. I right, word. The team's going to take a trip down there. We'll, we'll sit with Hondo. We'll make sure he doesn't do anything stupid. We'll keep him away from the tequila sodas. The return. He'll make his... Exactly. It's like I'm a, it's like I'm a, cute, or a running back who tore his ACL, and then I'm going to return. Exactly. Yeah, but that, that was rough, guys. I mean, just so stupid. And you don't think... And I remember, so after that happened, like a few weeks go by... And I was finally like settled, kind of starting to get over it. Cause I mean, you got to imagine too, like I'm on vacation. So I spent, you know, however much I spent on vacation plus this loss is like, oh, it was bad. But so I'm, I was like talking to um, my buddy, Larry, who's sort of like a mentor for me. I think I've mentioned him a couple of times on the podcast now. And he uh, is a Wall Street vet, traded on the floor really, really good trader. And I'm telling him the story. And first thing he says is obviously like, you're an idiot. Like you shouldn't be trading on, on vacation. Like you're on vacation. You're not working. Like trading is a job. Right. Um, the other thing he said to me, which I thought was pretty interesting was he goes, well, you know, it could have been 80 grand. And I was like, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Like, you know, the, the AK hurts. Um, but he's like, no, seriously, like this, these are the things that, that happen. So in every single, you know, bad situation that you put yourself in as a trader, you know, however shitty they may be, and you may be listening to this podcast and you might've lost, you know, 20 K 50 K in a day. Every trader goes through something, goes through like a drastic loss, you know, a really bad week, they get in a rut. But you got to imagine, like, here's, here's a guy who has made millions trading, okay? He's telling me, you know, this is good. This has happened to you now because it would have been 80K um, sometime down the road. But I can only imagine some of the losses he took. What did TW say on the podcast, right? He said, well, the, uh, the Friday before the crash of 87, I lost $150,000, okay? Those are massive losses that people take. The thing, though, the key is learning from it. Right. You got to be able to learn. Mo, not to put you on blast, but you want to tell 
the crypto story? I don't think he does. <laughs> crypto, yes, yes. Crypto 2017. I'll never forget that. Oh man, never do this. I ended up uh so I ended up taking a um student loan and I took a portion of that student loan, 5k to be exact. And I put it in what a lot of crypto um fans out there will know Tron. I put it in Tron at a I think at like 2 cents. Uh within 2 weeks that 5k was 52k and of course I didn't sell why i mean one being an idiot two i was seeing all these coins go from like a cent half a cent two cents to a dollar plus and i was hoping you know i was like okay i nailed it you know i'm gonna pay back my school loan gonna make a shitload of cash it'll be good it was yeah i mean that fantasy went south real quick for me and i ended up actually um losing it all I ended up losing it all um, right back down to my level. I was like, okay, you know, I'll hold. I'll see what happens. And then it just kept plummeting. And then with with what was left, I think I had a few thousand dollars left. I tried trading crypto. That didn't work out too well. I ended up blowing that 5K. So that's my crypto story. But don't let Hondo's vacation story put you down. Go out there, trade, enjoy life. I traded in oh Turkey. Look, look, man, I traded in Turkey. I made money. I traded in Cancun. In Cancun, I made 13K. Cancun was a nice one. And um, where El Panama City, I traded. So go out there, enjoy life, sniper, and trade your ass off, man. You're going to hit those 10Ks within a week. Yeah, what we should do is we should all we should all go around and just tell our worst our worst losses at this point. We already got two of us. Mander, let me hear it. What's the what's the worst loss that you ever encountered? Tell me the story. Can't wait for this one. Yeah, mine's been publicly announced already too. Um, mine's on Twitter. You've probably seen it. If not, uh, here's the story. So it was coming right off of that fifty five thousand dollar week, which was incredible. Don't get me wrong, but uh, in hindsight, so at the time I was throwing five thousand dollar trades was like my. Uh, my whatever, my uniform sizing, right? So like whatever it was, 5K was like my average as close as I could get to that. And then it was at that point, it was all a numbers game because I knew, you know, with the strategy and the back testing, you know, at uniform sizing, it was going to be profitable. And so we just had a home run week. It was during, you know, the aggressive uh, squeeze to the upside in like early March, I want to say middle of March. And so we were ripping SPX calls into the close. I had that Tesla, like 5,000 percenter, crazy week. Um, so I made 55, I come in the next week and I've said this, you know, a hundred times, but you know, the, the priest never listens to his own, uh, seminar gospel. Uh, yeah. There's own gospel. <laughs> I come in and I up it to, I up it to 10 K <laughs> I was so, I was so confident. I was like, you know, Larry bird from three. I'm like, oh, I can't miss. Right. So I come in the next week and I up it to 10 K and I'm down 21 grand by 11 AM that Monday. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. That's usually how it happens. I took about four or five separate trades there. No, I had it been, yeah, four or five trades there at like 10K a pop. And I was down, you know, not respecting stop losses. I was like, oh, this is going to pan. I don't even really remember what I was in. Like, I don't know if I was long and we sold. I, I really, I was, you know, a kind of like blacked out moment. I was down 21 grand by 11 a.m., which again, as Hondo said, like, you know, to some people that's 
you know, a drop in the bucket, but like to me coming off a 55 K week and I pretty much lost half of that by, you know, in an hour and a half into the market, I was sick to my stomach. So I ended up clawing it back. I think I closed out the day, you know, minus 12, but that's a day I'll never forget. And I was going to say this when, when Dwayne was given his Puerto Rico story, like as much as it hurts in the moment, I'll never forget. I want to say it's Tom Hanks gives this little Chinese proverb is who I heard it from. I'm sure the story goes way back, but it's a story of like, you know, well, maybe kind of thing. Like the story goes, you know, this horse runs away from this farm and everyone in the town is like, oh, that must suck. Right. You know, you lost your only horse. And and there's like, well, maybe. And then the horse comes back with two more horses. Now they have three. And everyone's like, oh, that's great. You know, now you have three. He goes, well, maybe. And then the kid's riding the horse is trying to tame him and he breaks his arm. They're like, oh, that sucks. Well, maybe. And then they go to war and the kid can't get drafted because he has a broken arm. They're like, oh, that's great. You know, that's so lucky. The whole thing is like, you know, you never know what's going to come out of something as much as it might be great or suck in the moment. So like as much as that sucked in the moment, I learned so much mentally and emotionally about trading from that awful day that I think has, you know, paid itself tenfold at this point. Wow. That's, that's a, that's an incredible story and a great proverb. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's Luke, uh, Luke 412. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah's laughing over here. <laughs> no, I agree. That's good. Nah, it's Chinese. It's a Chinese proverb. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a Chinese, it's a Chinese proverb. proverb. Um, no, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great point though, right? It's a great message. I mean, cause especially in trading, right? You have so many whipsaws, you have so many ups and downs and like going back to Mo's story, like he held and, you know, however stupid you want to call him, you know, today for that, even though you probably should have taken your cost out at least. Um, but how, you know, how, whatever you want to say about it, like the people who made millions, tens of millions of dollars holding Bitcoin, you know, from like 2012, 2013, you got to think they've gone through so many rips, so many 90% drawdowns. Like it's the same exact thing as the, as the Proverbs I was just talking about is like, you never know when you're in the moment, you know, what, how, how something's going to turn out. And so, you know, particularly if you have belief in something like an investment, you got to just take the highs and lows um, in stride. Snipes, let's hear it. Worst loss. What do you got? You think I should go with like the, largest PL based loss or you think I should go with the dumbest decision I've made? Whatever makes for a better story. Well, one time I recently discovered, this was a while back, but I recently first started discovering how SPX options work. And <laughs> I already know this is going to be crazy. And this was the first time I traded SPX. It went pretty good. I made like a thousand and change and it was only off of one contract. So I'm like, wow. Um, Nothing's like this ticker. And come that Friday, um, we're going right into power hour. And I decided I wanted to run a little straddle kind of. And imagine basically cutting both legs at the worst point where you can um, in the matter of like a 12 minute span and losing probably about 20 grand, just about. And only under like 20 minutes. It was probably the most brutal trade I think I've ever had. That is, that's so funny. <laughs> Dude. That's so funny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait, you had 10 grand on each side of the strangle? Dude, I, dude, I've like, when you're learning how to trade um, strangle straddles, like you're going to take some L's like that. Let me tell you, like, cause I've been, I've been trying it out and like, um, even not even just recently, like I've been, I've been trying this for a while now and, 
you know, it's a high win rate strategy for sure. But the losses, like you said, especially if you don't time the exit right, they can um, they can definitely sting. So Snipes is not wrong about that. All right, Noah. Um, I guess I'll. Yeah, you're up. Yeah, I guess I'll share mine now. So mine is a little bit worse because it wasn't my money. So hopefully I don't, hopefully I don't get in trouble for this. I don't think I can, but somebody, um, very close to me saw that I was, you know, dabbling in options. This is like two years ago. I believe this is like 2019 or 2020, maybe 2019 or 2020. And, um, he's like, Oh dude, I see that you're trading really well. I'm struggling. You know, I've been struggling my account. Why don't you just trade on my account and I'll give you, you know, a portion of the profits. And for me, I had $0. So I was like, oh, dude, this is sick. Let's do it. And so he had a $20,000 account. And so I start trading options on his account really small, just, you know, cause I was still learning to be completely honest. Like I'd, I'd been trading options maybe for like four or five months. Like I didn't really know anything, um, but I took a couple of trades and they started working out. I made um, I think I turned the 20 to 23 in like three or four days. So like pretty moderate, you know, um, still a really nice return though. That, that was more money than I'd ever made. And his whole goal was like, you know, get me to PDT, get me to PDT, you know? And so I was like, all right, yeah, two, 2000 more dollars. So my thought process was once he gets to PDT, he won't need me anymore. So let me make a bunch of money so that I'll get paid on it. And then once he gets to PDT, you know, I'll have my own money and then I could start my own trading account. And so I went pretty heavy in a couple of trades, the largest one being um, Tesla calls at the time. And I swung them. They were weekly options. It was a Tuesday and I swung them into the next day. And the market gapped down and they were down 60-ish percent. And I had just remembered, like, I had never been in a situation like this. I was like, I think the account was at like 19, 18,000, only down two. And I was like, you know, you're not really supposed to sell when you're down or whatever. That, that's what I had heard anyways. So I was like, you know what? Like, let me hold these Teslas, you know, Tesla's going to rip and, and whatnot. You know, not even really understanding the mechanics of options, not understanding that my weekly options, you know, were going to go to zero. And that's exactly what they did. And I think, you know, from the 23, I ended up with 16. So after that $7,000 drawdown, he said, yep, probably not going to work out. <laughs> and, uh, that was the, uh, that was the end of that. So that was my first experience really taking, um, a big loss. And then obviously I, you know, the feeling of, of disappointment is compounded by the fact that it wasn't even mine. Right. Like it, it was somebody else's. I just felt like such a scumbag. Dude. Dude are you guys still friends? Yeah. 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 We're good boys. We're good boys. <laughs> Dude, that is so bad and so stupid. I mean, I told him, I told him, I told him before we started, I was like, look, like, first of all, like, I don't know anything. Like I'm, you know, like I know more <laughs> than you, obviously. Like I know more than you, obviously, but like, I don't really know that much. Like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Like, You've been ripping. I've been seeing you on, on Twitter. And I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Um, yeah. And so that's how that went. Yo, I'm not going to lie, man. Um, you're not supposed to do that at all, dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no shit. <laughs> no shit. Dude, I know. I know. No, but that's what I'm saying. That's what <laughs> I know. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I told him that like a billion times before we started, I was like, bro, like, Hey, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. 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 Like, 
He was like, nah, like go for it. Like I promise, like it's good. I'm I'm willing I understand it's volatile. I'm willing to accept the loss and whatnot. He probably just didn't fathom seven K in a day. He was probably just didn't have that in mind. Neither did I, to be honest. Yo, definitely two points to take away from this podcast. One, never trade other people's money. And then two, never trade your student loans. <laughs> ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't trade with money you can't lose. Yeah, I don't I don't know what's dumber. I really don't <laughs> know what's dumber. No, nah, trading your student loans is dumber because you actually need it. Like trading somebody else's money. Obviously, he was willing to lose some amount of money if he gave me 20K. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's where we're at. And then another common thread that I see throughout all the stories is that a lot of them came after a big win. I mean, Manders came after his massive week that he had um alejandro's came after he was i was just drunk i was just hammered alejandro was drunk but he <laughs> he was trading really well i was january through february that faded that uh inflated confidence we all know alejandro's already um, massively confident and so that that <laughs> the massive confidence the the trading well and then the tequila sodas that formula you know that 3x it's not good um, and, and Moe's right came after that 10 X of his, of his crypto port. Mine came after, you know, some, some pretty solid success within a three day period. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy how once you get that, that hit of a, of adrenaline, right? That feeling that you've, you've got this down. Once you make that big trade, you already start thinking in your head, Oh, well, if I can just, I just 10 X this position, if I can do that two, three more times, you do the math, you're like, that's, that's a million bucks right there. And so. You start to get out of your system. You start to overtrade. You start to, you start to do things that you know you shouldn't do because that overinflated confidence in the back of your head is telling you that you're somebody who you're not. And that a lot of times is what leads to these losses. And so I think that's probably, um, you know, the most common thread that I see throughout those, those stories. Absolutely, man. Completely agree. Before we wrap things up, Mander, you want to take a few minutes to talk about futures. That's something that you've been doing more often now. And I know that you've got a video coming out soon um, where you're going to be detailing how exactly somebody can set up their brokerage. Yeah, absolutely. So I got a video coming out to the Kane Capital YouTube this week. I'm going to go over one, how to apply. So I'm going to be running the video through 2D Ameritrade. I assume it's similar on all brokerages, though, that carry futures trading. Kind of just how to apply, get approved for it. Um, you do need uh, extra approval, similar as you do to options. You got to get approved from your brokerage. But um, Beyond that, I'm going to be going over kind of how they work, um, the trades. I'm going to be recapping the trades I've taken this year, give you my analysis, what I was looking at when I took them. Currently batting four for four. Hope I don't jinx it with this one. Um, but really good trades so far this year. Obviously, they're not going to be home run trades as they are with options, right? Like you, you're not going to get a thousand percent futures trade. The way they work is they're on a, an ES contract, which is the S&P 500 futures. There's futures for everything, right? So like if you, the people that trade futures, they'll be trading uh, soybeans, they'll be trading corn, um, famously Larry with frozen orange juice concentrate, right? Like you can trade everything through futures. I, I dabble with the S&P 500 being the, in, the uh, indice index trader that I am, um, but they're plus or minus $50 per ES contract, right? It's basically just like a crypto, a, a 50X crypto leverage, anything like that, right? So S&P 500 goes up one point, you're plus $50. If you're long, you're down $50 if you're short. Um, so I've been kind of doing that as I'm going back to what I was dabbling on earlier with me feeling like I didn't fully capture the move. A lot of that's due to the theta and the Greeks, right? And so one thing, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast here. I know we've talked about it on Twitter and in the discord is that when the VIX is over 30, 
That is an implied move of 2% daily in the S&P 500. So plus or minus, I guess, you know, hypothetically minus if the VIX is at 30, you're selling off. Uh, it's a 2% daily move of volatility in the S&P 500, which is massive, right? Like we, we don't really catch those. Right now, that would be, what's that work out to? I guess uh, over 70, a 75 point move daily in the S&P 500. We haven't been having that. And so a lot of times what I've been seeing is even if you're right in direction, it's not as aggressive as the VIX is pricing in. And so you could still lose on a correct direction, directional trade. Or as Dwayne was saying, we've been getting a lot of moves overnight where we gap down or we gap up overnight and then we're just sideways range bound all day. And so we'll gap down a percent and a half overnight. You know, you even wait for a, a balance at the open to grab puts and you're still done because we just, you know, trade sideways like the sine curve. Um, so this was one thing I've been trying to get into to capture that holistic move to the downside or the upside recently. We did play them long like a week ago um, is, is futures trading. And so that's one thing we did put a separate room in the discord. It is free for everyone. Um, I'm pretty much just running that one, posting all my trades, my entries, my price targets, my exits um, in the futures room there in the free part of the discord. If you want to join, um, Honestly, if you, even if you don't trade futures, I think it's a really great room to be in because I'm giving my holistic analysis. I'm giving all my macro level uh, price targets and stuff. And so even if you're not trading futures, you can kind of see what I'm seeing as to why I would be long, why I would be short, where I think the market's heading. You could take that and directly apply it into options trading. Uh, like like we were saying with swing call or swing plays, right? Like you could take swing puts if I'm short or X, Y, and Z. So that's kind of stuff I've been trying to dabble into. Uh, Dwayne kind of said this earlier, right? Like we've sold off aggressively. Everyone knew the market was going shorter or was going lower, but it's it's not as simple with options trading as knowing that and buying puts and making money, unfortunately. So, you know, beyond tr- shorting common shares, which is just going to give you directional returns. Like if you go short and the stock goes down $5, you make $5 per share. This at least gives you some type of leverage um, without the Greeks, without Theta Decay, without all that stuff. So I've been really loving it so far. Um, captured a, a lot of good moves. The first one we posted publicly, I was dabbling with these for a while. The first one we posted publicly, though, we caught a 400-point move to the downside, which would be about $20,000 per uh, ES contract, so around like 125% return. So that's a really big move, and that's a great return. But like I said, it's not going to be your 10Xers. But what I've been seeing a lot of times is even when I'm trading like poop, with options, um, they're kind of just like, you know, funding that that backbone. They're giving me a lot of times I could go over two on options trading and still be green on the day because of futures, or they'll fund my lottos for SPX. You know, and then if you have a great deal with options and you're right directionally on futures, that's when you, you know, you're getting these really, really great days. So I've been loving it so far. You can't understate the importance of um or the aspect of no theta decay on the futures contracts. I think we as option traders have kind of just gotten used to it, but it becomes very difficult when you have to take so many different things into account from implied volatility to theta on your contracts. Um, it, 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 it's a lot to think about, right? And that's why you said, um, when you say it, it's not as easy as just understanding that the market is going to go down and buying puts, um, you know, that's, that's what we're talking about is the fact that there's so many variables, um, in that trade. And so I think that trading futures, like you said, gives you that advantage because it's a little bit, it's a few less variables that you have to think about when you're trying to, um, profit basically off of your thesis. And so that I, I don't think that the importance of that can be understated. Yeah. And one thing on top of that, as I'm sure, you know, 99% of the people listening to this right now, 
Like I just had a whole port of or a whole portfolio of cash, right? Like no one's holding longs right now. We know we're going to see lower. We're selling off in a bear market. You're not holding your longs unless it's in a 401k or something, an IRA that you can't touch. You know, if it's your individual brokerage account, you're most likely in cash. And so I was looking at my account saying, you know, I'm sitting on all this cash. I'm not using hardly any of this options trading. And so what can I do with this to make money, right? Like it's useless to me in cash. Um, I want to be doing something kind of on the back burner as I'm trading options, you know, to make more money. I want to be doing something with this. And so that was one thing that, you know, I've really loved so far and especially taking it public. Um, I don't even know if the people following it are trading the futures, but I hope at least it's giving some value as to, you know, what I'm seeing, where I'm getting short, where I'm getting long and why, uh, price targets, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. At the very least, it's an awesome opportunity for people to learn. And as you mentioned, get an idea of where you think the market is headed next um, in the relatively short term or medium term, I would say. So that's awesome that you're doing that, man. Um, Guys, this was a really fun episode. Um, Having the team on is always good. Appreciate you guys jumping on with us. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Good to be back. Say thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, like, what no the fuck? What's wrong, you guys? <laughs> it's a podcast, bro. You're supposed to be like, thanks for having me. <laughs> I was waiting for snipes. Thanks for having me, bro. Yeah, again, thank you guys for having me. It's always a pleasure hopping on. All right, guys. No, another awesome episode, brother. I'll see you next week for episode 39. Absolutely. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It is very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find in our podcast and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise.